Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. What's up, everyone? This is SGX coach Mike Diebler. Welcome to episode 95 of the OCR Underground Show. Where my goal is simple. I want to give you simple training tips to help you train smarter for your next OCR. If you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, make sure you head on over to OCRunderground.com slash episode dash 95. Well, I think the big news, and it might be old news by the time uh, this episode is actually getting out, it's uh, Spartan changing the uh, burpee penalty rule. So I know a lot of people have chimed in on their thoughts. Um, so I figured uh, this would be a good opportunity to kind of let you know my thoughts and um, just uh, my my opinion on maybe what what's to come. And with a lot of things with change, obviously, it's always different. We We don't know what to expect. And it's always hard to really give a good opinion because I don't know, we just don't know um, what what this is going to lead to. And I think most people understand that uh, Spartan race is trying to um, get OCR into the Olympics, um, which I think that's fine. That's, you know, that's kind of been stated as the goal all along to get this in a, an Olympic sport. And I would always agree that it's not going to be a Spartan race in the Olympics. It's going to be an obstacle course race. So um, I think that's always just something to uh, to keep in mind that I don't think Spartan needs to change a whole lot. Um, they It seems like they're trying to branch off a little bit, and that's kind of what they do. They do a lot of the changes, and um, I don't know. It seems to be a fast-moving company. They're always changing things just to kind of see what sticks. Sometimes it might work well, and sometimes it backfire, backfires. So it's it's hard to see. You know what's going to happen uh, in the future, but um, I'm sure you've heard. But they're they're going to get rid of the the 30 burpee penalty for the elite and age group races, but they're going to keep it for the uh, open divisions, which I thought was kind of weird. I feel like just make it all or none, right? Just whatever you decide to do, it probably should have been it for all levels, especially because. You know, th those that are going to be doing the most burpees are most likely in the open division. And uh, if you're trying to get more people to race, you seem to want to lower the barrier to entry, right? It's it's I one thing I always love is getting people who never thought they would have done a race like this up and out and and trying one. And usually what people don't want to deal with is is the burpees. And that's always been the hardest way to, to convince people to even try a race because they know well, there's just no way I can do all these obstacles. So I'm gonna have to do 200 burpees. And I just don't want to do that. And, you know, it's it's hard to blame some people to to want to just for their first race, just be a burpee fest. So it would have been nice for them to just make it no burpees at all. Um, I know burpees, is one of those exercises, I just, you know, I'll put it in, I, I think it's it could be a good exercise, it could be a bad exercise. But when we're doing like high reps of burpees, it tends to turn into just a slop fest. And a lot of people just, uh, you know, are doing terrible form and, and uh, can end up hurting themselves because they're just trying to hit these numbers. And, and really, I can insert any exercise here, it doesn't have to be burpees. But I feel like, you know, we see burpee challenges and all these different things. 
that it just became this uh, kind of abused exercise. So it's kind of nice, you know, for me looking at it in terms of programming for clients that if I don't need to program in burpees a whole lot, uh, I would rather do that. I'd rather do other things to work on conditioning and strength and, and other things. But, you know, knowing it was part of the race and there's a chance that you're going to have to do a lot of burpees, it just, you know, was necessary to put in a training program. So on that side of it, um, for those that I work with that are, are training age group or uh, elite, knowing that I don't really need to include burpees in there at all is, is kind of nice. I can I can do other things. But those that are going to be doing open, it's still something we have to consider and, um, you know, putting it in in the program there. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of just up in the air. I, I, I can't say I have a super strong opinion either way uh, on this on this change. I know a lot of people do. Uh, I feel like it should have just been all or nothing, right? If you're either going to keep the burpees in and um, just keep Spartan races exactly the same and then add in like in a, another event like like they're doing with these kind of short course uh, 1K courses, which, uh, you know, seems like that's going to be the sport that would go on. And that could have been almost a different brand. Um, they didn't have to change the Spartan brand. Um, but you know, for whatever reason, this is what they, they decided to do, but you know, I thought it would have been just easier to keep Spartan races the same, add these short course races and, you know, get rid of burpees for those, uh, and, you know, organize them, whatever makes the most sense for, for pushing that sport into the Olympics. But, um, but this is how they did it. So we'll see, is this going to get a, uh, just more and more people, jumping into age group and elite um, just to avoid burpees. And now the, those heats might be selling out really fast. Uh, who knows? Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to work out there. So I think it'll all be interesting. Um, I like the idea of short courses, um, you know, just kind of reading the rules. And I haven't really seen too much about them yet and haven't been able to uh, try any of them yet. But uh, they look like they could be fun, you know, just uh, more about the obstacles, less about, you know, the trail run. So it, it could be a fun way to uh, just mix up the races a little bit and, and just kind of hit those obstacles. But we'll see. We'll see how many of those they put out there and, and how it's all going to be set up. So just just kind of some of my thoughts on it. Um, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts too. shoot me an email and uh, or, or post on social media and let me know what what you think. I know I sent an email about this uh, not too long ago and a few people wrote back and, you know, expressed some of their feelings and. And I get it, you know, people are, uh, some people are really upset that, that they're, they're mad about, about this change. So, um, you know, hopefully it, it doesn't have a dramatic impact on, on our races. Uh, I know, um, you know, before I move on from this topic, one, one thing I'm a little disappointed to see is the penalty loops are going to be, uh, they, they're listed as 200 meters or as, you know, space or, or terrain allows, which I don't know to run 200 meters or do 30 burpees. Those, um, those are not even close to being equal. Um, you know, how much more drained you're going to be after doing 30 burpees and how much more time it's going to take versus, uh, you know, a 200 meter loop. If it was 200 meter carry, maybe. Um, so maybe we'll see more carries. Maybe it's going to be a lot of, uh, hill climbs uh, involved in that, but I feel like you do want to reward people from, uh, working hard to, to get through these obstacles. So we need to make the penalty pretty substantial. So 30 burpees was definitely a, a substantial penalty for failing an obstacle, especially if you failed, you know, back to back or back to back to back. 
Um, that's a lot to have to do 60, 90, 120 burpees within, you know, 10 minutes is, is just brutal. Um, but if all you had to do was, you know, run an extra 200 meters, um, I don't know. It's just why even attempt the obstacle if, if it's a one you're really going to struggle with or maybe waste a lot of energy, just, just go run that penalty loop. So um, I'm sure you're going to see that strategy out there as well. But like I said, we're going to have to wait and see what what happens with uh, with the future of these races for for 2023. Either way, I'm always excited to uh, to get out there and, and race in some form, whatever, whatever it might look like. So hopefully it's uh, not too much changed uh, with with the new rules there. Now, uh, I have uh, another awesome episode for you today. Uh, in this one, I want to cover some research on training to failure. I know there's a topic I've talked about previously, um, but as new research comes out, I always like to, to stay up to date. So I'm going to share some, uh, some new research on, on training to failure with both high load and low load resistance training. Uh, in the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I want to talk about a, a topic I touched on on a recent webinar I did on uh, recovery and uh, the science and application of recovery. And this is the idea of the interference effect and how different types of training actually interfere with the results you might get, specifically when we're looking at strength and endurance training. So I want to touch on uh, what that means and, and kind of how that all looks. Uh, and then in, uh, I have an interview today, which it's been a little while since I've, I've gotten to chat with another coach. So I'm really excited to, uh, to put out this interview with SGX coach, Joe Bala. Um, Joe has kind of been all over the place. I've, I've always been hearing uh, a ton about him and, uh, we've been chatting online for a while. So I was really excited to get him on and uh, talk about some of the interesting things he's doing, uh, with his, uh, his training and with, with his clients. So a really great interview with coach Joe today. And uh, but first, I, uh, I'm really excited to let you know about a new sponsor of the show. So I wanted to take a minute and let you know about uh, a new piece to my recovery protocol that I've been using. And if you've been a listener for a while, you know how much I stress the importance of paying attention to recovery. I'm a firm believer in the formula of training plus recovery equals results. I think most people have the training side down, but we can definitely pay a little bit more attention to recovery. Uh, so that recovery piece is always something we can actively participate in. So I'm always looking for different ways to help in that process. Uh, essential amino acids have been clinically proven to accelerate muscle repair and growth faster than any protein source. I've recently discovered uh, Heal by the Amino Company and Heal is a 100% science-backed formula. It was originally formulated for astronauts to maintain muscle mass in space, which I think is pretty fascinating. Uh, I've been using uh, this to deal with a few injuries. I've talked about my, my pec and my Achilles, uh, just some chronic things. So I've, I've added this to my recovery protocol, um, taking it specifically after my training sessions to help shorten that recovery time and help me bounce back as quick as possible. Uh, Heals clinically proven to help manage inflammation levels three times more efficient at triggering muscle growth and repair than other protein sources. Uh, it's keto-friendly, soy-free, vegetarian, gluten-free, and non-GMO. So you can check out this product as well as their science behind all of their products by visiting aminoco.com slash OCR. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com slash OCR. And if you use code OCR, you'll save 30% on your order. All right, well, let's get into today's episode.
In this episode's research review, I want to talk about training to failure. Uh, this is a study I found in the uh, most recent journal, Strength and Conditioning Research. Now, with training to failure, I have talked about this uh, in previous episodes, and I'm always trying to find the most efficient way. And I think sometimes a lot of people are caught in the process that more is better and I got to train as hard as possible to get the best results. Now, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. And if we can ever find shortcuts, I think, why, why not take them? So this was a really interesting study that um, took a group of individuals and put them through uh, or split them up into essentially four different protocols. So what they wanted to look at here was one, they wanted to compare what happens if we train to failure versus non-failure. Um, and what if we train to failure using higher loads and lower loads or not trained to failure, higher loads or lower loads. So, that, so that's essentially what we have, the four groups. One group trained with using high loads and how they'll define high loads, they use 80% of their one rep max. So they, they knew their one rep max for the exercise. Uh, so they trained at um, 80%. So when they were doing high loads, they wanted to compare, okay, what if we train to repetition failure and using high loads on average, that was around 12, to actually 12.4 reps that they would get when they trained to failure. Or when they trained to non-failure, they were doing about 6.7 reps using their 80% one rep max. Then they compared that with using low loads. So low loads, they were using about 30% of their one rep max. So when they were training to rep failure, they were hitting about 34.4 reps. And when they were training to non-failure, they were hitting 19.6. So I know a lot of numbers there, but hopefully that makes sense. All the different variables that they were looking at. So I want to look at training to failure, training to non-failure. And I want to see what happens if I'm using a heavy load and a lighter load. So those were all the, the groups that they created for this, this training program. So they, they took them through a program, did this for several weeks. And they wanted to specifically look at two things. What happens to strength levels? What happens to uh, with hypertrophy or, or muscle size? How, how much bigger do those muscles get? So here's what they found with strength levels. So the um, group that did high load, so that trained about 80% of their one rep max and trained to failure, saw increases in strength uh, to 33.8% on average. Compare that to the those that trained with high load but did not train to failure, they saw an increase in 33.4%, so almost identical. The group that was training about, on average, uh, six reps versus 12 reps, so failure to non-failure. So um, I thought pretty interesting right there. Uh, now, if we compare that to the low load group, so what happened to strength with the low load when low load when they trained to failure or did not? So with uh, low weight, uh, rep failure, they saw an increase in 17.7%. And when they did not train to failure with a low, a low load, they saw an increase in 15.8%. So um, only about half the uh, increase with um, using low loads. So um, uh, before we even move on to hypertrophy, I think let's talk about that right there. So what is that saying? That one, if I'm trying to get stronger, there's really no way around it. You need to be now. Now let me back up. Actually, all groups got stronger, right? They they saw an increase in some level, but we saw significantly higher levels of strength when we used heavier loading. So if you are trying to build strength, 
uh, that seems to be the key, right? We have to use a significant enough load uh, in order to make that happen. So in this case, they used 80%. That was heavy enough to, to create significant strength levels. Now, I think the really interesting part is between those that trained to failure and those that did not, there was virtually no difference in how much stronger they got. And I think that's a really important thing to remember, that as long as we're stimulating the body, exposing the body to heavy loads, adding a few extra reps and training to failure doesn't really seem to give you that much more benefit in terms of strength. So um, we know that the, the more you go to failure, the heavier load that you're lifting, your risk of, of injury and things going on goes up. So if that is a concern, we're trying to keep your risk of injuries down, um, then we know you probably want to leave a few reps in the tank. I'm not saying you can never train to failure. I think every once in a while, it's probably a good idea to do so. But when I see people getting into the trend of that's the only way they train, that becomes the problem. So uh, think about that in your program, right? However long you're cycling through, maybe you're doing a program for a month, four weeks. Um, not every single one of those weeks is all out, you know, reps to failure, but maybe one week is. So I think that's a great way to put together a strength program while it's still getting strong, but limiting the, the chance of something going wrong. Now, if we look at the other side of this, what about hypertrophy? So how big did the muscle get if we just look at that? that. Uh, so same four groups with the high load rep failure group, they saw an increase in 8.1% uh, increases in muscle size. Now, the high load group that did not train to failure, they saw an increase in 7.7, 7, uh, 7. so a little bit less, but still pretty close. Now, when we look at the low load group, the low load rep failure group saw an increase in 7.8, so actually a little bit higher than uh, the, the, the non-failure group using a high load. And then finally, the low load uh, non-failure group uh, only saw an increase in 2.8. So actually, and that wasn't even significantly different. So not much of an increase at all. So now we see hypertrophy between high load rep failure, high load non-rep failure, and low load rep failure. We saw not, not the same. There was a difference there, but pretty close levels in muscle size. So now if muscle size is my goal, not just muscle strength, we almost have some options here. And I think it's good to mix it up and create a program that exposes you to different things. So if uh, if I want to train to failure, I can do both high load and low load, right? Remember, they only use 30% of their one rep max. So a lot of times people think the only way to get results is to lift heavy weight. Not necessarily, right? So we can use a light weight or lighter weight. and uh, But the key is we have to go to failure in this case. Because remember, the group that did not go to failure with the low load, um, they actually barely saw an increase in muscle size at all. So uh, if you are using a lighter resistance, that we're going to stress the importance of going more towards failure. Um, if we're using a high load, it seems like we have a little bit of choice here on whether we want to go to failure or not. Um, but I think the takeaway is for hypertrophy is, is to mix that up a little bit. So what this all means for your training program is, number one, just keep that in mind in both situations, strength and size, uh, going to failure is not the only way and may not even be the best way in order to achieve those goals. So it's a good idea to leave a few reps in the tank. 
Now, maybe you just don't feel comfortable doing heavy loads, then you absolutely can build some muscle size using light loads. But if we're not training to failure, then we're probably not going to see the results that we're looking for. So, um, so change up your program a little bit, right? So sometimes you should use heavy loads. Sometimes you're going to use lighter loads. Sometimes you may train to failure. Sometimes you're, you're not going to train to failure. Um, but just keep that in mind. And I think this is important concept to think about with all training methods. There's lots of ways to get the results that you're looking for. There's not just that one way. Uh, so if you can find a way that works for you and a way that you enjoy training, I think you found something that you probably want to keep diving into and, and, and getting as much out of it as possible. But know that there's lots of other options out there. So if you find yourself only lifting with heavy weight or only lifting with lighter weight, uh, this is a great opportunity for you to, to change that around a little bit, switch up your program. Um, not trained to failure if you seem to do that all the time, right? If you're always sore, always fatigued, having a hard time recovering, um, I bet this is a, a great way for you to bounce back quicker. So if I train uh, and don't go to failure most of the time, uh, I may not be as sore and I might be able to bounce back and do more training more often throughout the week because I'm not beating my body up as much, um, but I'm still seeing the results uh, that we want to see with strength and muscle size. So hopefully that gives you some uh, some ideas or thoughts to think about when you're putting together your your training program. All right, in the Inside Mike's Mind segment today, I want to talk about the interference effect. And I recently did a uh, webinar for the American Council on Exercise on uh, the science and application of recovery. And, um, and actually, I'll put a link. Um, I don't know how long the, um, the session will be online um, and free to, to view, uh, but I'll put a link in the show notes in case you want to try and check that out while it, while it is still up. Um, before they take it down, um, but it's about a little over an hour long talk on um, on some of the, my top recovery trends or, or you know um, uh, modalities that are out there. And one um, of the biggest things I wanted to touch on was just on how the, the training you set up impacts your recovery. And as we want to work on improving recovery. Um, and, and bouncing back so we can train more often, we have to keep in mind that obviously time is always a, a factor, right? It's, it's doesn't matter what you do, time has to pass. Uh, it's kind of, you know, if you're, you're hungover, you can, you can take some stuff, but it just takes time to get that stuff out of your system. So you feel, feel normal again. Um, yeah, there's some things you can do and to take that might help uh, shorten that process and make you feel a little bit better. But ultimately, it takes take time for your body to do what it needs to do. And training is the same way we uh, train, we stress the body, which creates a stress response, and we adapt from that stress and all that takes time. And the more often I train, the less time I have for recovery. And where the interfe interference effect takes place is just keeping in mind that the type of training you do uh, affects the body in a very specific way. And just to simplify this, if we look at probably the two biggest types of training you're going to be doing are strength training and endurance training. And those are two completely different adaptations that you're looking for. Um, the physiology, uh, all of it is, is totally different that happens in your body, yet we're trying to cram it all in at once and hope for the best. And I think when we understand how, how physiology works and, and how um, 
uh, the body responds to stress and exercise, we can see that if we if we just set up our training a little bit smarter, we will get more of an adaptation. So just to, to break this down, if we look at strength training, what that does to the body. So you're lifting weights, you're creating you know moderate muscle tension. Um, that is going to stretch the muscle out, it creates tension. Um, you're using energy, uh, potentially even some some damage, uh, micro tears and, and uh, things like that. All of these different things uh, are going to set a signal off and it creates a response and it's going to signal for, hey, we're being damaged. We need help. So it's going to uh, release uh, hormones and, and other uh, enzymes to help signal, hey, we're we, we need an anabolic response. Right. So it might release things like insulin, like growth, growth factor and anabolic hormone. Um, all of these different processes will release uh, an enzyme which uh, you may have heard before of, of mTOR. Um, so we see an increase in mTOR activation. And just think of this as an anabolic pathway that is, is starting. And what this essentially does is start the muscle tissue to repair, right? Because we know if we're, re if we're working out, we're doing resistance training, we're going to break down muscle tissue, we need to build it back up. And this, this path, this mTOR pathway, is essentially how that happens. We're, we're going to stimulate protein synthesis, uh, which is ultimately going to lead us with bigger, stronger muscles, right? So I know it's super simplified, but that's what we happen, uh, have happened. We, we stress the muscle with exercise. We uh, release anabolic hormones. We start up this mTOR pathway. We create new proteins, new muscle tissue to uh, repair and, and get stronger. Now, with endurance training, we have something a little bit different going on. So now we're, you know, we're going on a run and now we're, we're using the muscle tissues over and over and over again. So repeated muscle contraction, more lower intensity, uh, but for longer duration. And essentially what's happening here is we are going to start depleting energy and, um, you know, we're using fat, we're using carbohydrates. We're going to see glucose levels drop, glycogen levels drop, um, the longer and longer that we we uh, train. So you have um, uh, receptors that are monitoring energy store levels in the cells of your body, like your muscle cells. So um, what's going to happen is another enzyme is going to uh, take over, and this is AMPK. So we're going to have an increase in AMPK activation. This happens with endurance training. It also happens with fasting when you're not eating, uh, but we're specifically talking about with, with training. So uh, this, this enzyme, again, it's monitoring um, energy levels within the cell. When it sees it goes down, it increases activity. And specifically what this enzyme is doing now is going to increase uh, something called PGC1-alpha. And ultimately what this does is increase mitochondrial function. So now we're going to have more efficient or just more in terms of number mitochondria, we'll actually increase the number of mitochondria that we have. And remember our mitochondria, this is that the, the power plant of the cell. This is where aerobic metabolism takes place. So if these are more efficient and you have more of them, it, in re it increases your aerobic capacity. So again, kind of simplifying this, but we can see in one form of training, we have all these signals occurring to ultimately give us bigger, stronger muscles. In another form of training, we ultimately have something that's helping our aerobic capacity and increasing mitochondrial function. 
Now, these are great. We want both of these things to happen. But here's the problem and where the interference effects take place. These two systems don't really get along with each other and they actually can't happen at the same time. What we have is AMPK, um, so that enzyme that increases with endurance training, inhibits the mTOR pathway. So if we're doing things that increase mTOR, uh, excuse me, AMPK activity, that blocks the response after or that we want to see with mTOR. So if we're, we're trying to mix strength and endurance at the same time, this becomes ultimately becomes a problem. Now, this really becomes a problem for those that have more training experience. If you have uh, very little training experience, you're kind of new to working out and doing these kind of things, or it's been a really long time, uh, then don't worry about this stuff. You're, you're really going to see kind of the best of both worlds with this. And that's why those that are first getting started tend to see very big improvements because it's such a stress on the body. The body has to adapt very quickly. But once we've been training for a while, we, we don't see the same, same benefit there. So there's going to be more and more of this interference effect. So why I bring all this up is if we're smart about how we put together our programs, um, we can let these processes take place. Because remember, I want both. I want AMPK activation. I want mTOR activation. I just don't want them competing with each other, and I don't want them all going off all the time. So instead, if we can have very specific training goals, it makes our life much easier. Now, um, in a future episode, I, I know I've talked about uh, off-season and in-season training, but this is kind of where I think this becomes really important, uh, especially now that we're kind of in this off-season, you know, most races are over, um, kind of can take a break from, from you know, the hardcore training we might have been doing in the race season, and we can think about, you know, putting together these different types of program and really trying to see better adaptations um, from the training that we're doing. So ultimately, I think the, uh, this is a lot, this is complicated, everything, and hopefully you're still with me with, with what I'm talking about here. But I think the simplest way we can put this into practice is just say, what is the one thing I'm trying to improve with this specific workout today? Is it strength? Is it endurance? And let's go all in on that one thing. Let's not do these crazy workouts that I think we're seeing more and more of where let's just throw everything together, crumple it up into a ball and see what happens. Um, so let's not combine a lot of strength and endurance. Let's keep them separate. So on days I'm working on getting strong, I'm going to try and get strong on days that I'm trying to work on getting better endurance. I'm going to work on getting better endurance and we're going to just separate those days. So let's just split our routine up. So it could be, you know, just to make it easy, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is, is a strength day, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday is an endurance day. And we allow these things to take place, right? So I, uh, with endurance training, we tend to be able to bounce back a little bit quicker. So just to give you some numbers, um, you're looking at like four to 24 hours, you want to make sure that we just let this whole process take place. So four to 24 hours after endurance training, um, we can assume that AMPK activity is, is high, and let's just let it do it do its thing. So we're going to try and avoid any other training or stress or resistance training in that window. Um, with uh, with resistance training, this will depend on the person. Uh, we see a little bigger window, 24 to 72 hours, just depends on the person. If you're newer, you're going to be looking at more of that 72 hour window. If you've been doing this for a while, it might be 24 hours. Um, but again, we need mTOR, that process to, to take place and uh, not have anything interfere with it so we can get the results that, that we're looking for. So spacing out our training as, as best as possible. So it might mean that one day I do a, 
uh, a workout in the morning, and then I don't work out again until the next evening, potentially, if that's uh, ideal or, or logistically possible for you. Um, or maybe it's I'm just taking a day of, of active recovery in, in between training sessions to allow these processes to take place. Um, or like I said, it's maybe it's just an alternating day of, of strength and, and endurance. So uh, just just some things to think about again as, as you think about how you're going to plan your, your training. Um, but at least setting up these different goals on different different days. Now, let's just say, hey, that's not possible. I have to train. Uh, the, I, I only can work out three days a week. So um, I need to combine these. Um, it's not the end of the world. I'm just talking about the most ideal situation where we're trying to get the most results possible. Um, but that doesn't mean you will get no results if, if we do uh, a little bit of, of this combination training. It just means it, it's not quite as effective. Um, but let's just say we're gonna do them together. Maybe we can just be smarter about how we do that. So if we're gonna perform strength and endurance on the same day, if possible, we're gonna do low intensity endurance training first. So if we could, maybe in the morning, we go on a like a low intensity run, then in the evening or later in the afternoon, we do our um, resistance training. So it might be something like that. Or if we have to put them a little bit closer together, um, running actually does cause the biggest interference effect. So maybe we use cross training instead. We get on a bike, elliptical, something else, right? So rower, uh, let's do some other type of endurance training and, and implement cross training if I do have to combine these on the same day. So um, again, this can be a very complicated topic, um, but hopefully I, I simplified it so it at least makes sense that we understand that there's specific goals that we're trying to get out of our training. Uh, sometimes we'll mix them together just because we're trying to maybe stimulate what a race might be like. Um, that's, that's fine. I'm not saying you can never combine these styles of training. I just don't think that should be the backbone of your, your programming, right? It's every, every once in a while we do these workouts that we're gonna get a little bit of both in there. But um, if I'm trying to get stronger, if I'm trying to work on endurance, let's make those the goal and really, really go all in. And I think during the off season, that's a perfect opportunity to, to do that. So um, like I said, I'll, in future episodes, I want to try and dive a little bit deeper into pre, uh, in season and off season training and some of the different things that you you can do. But for now, I hope this at least gives you some some ideas on um, on what you can do for, for this week and, and kind of moving moving forward with your training. All right, for today's episode interview, I have a very special guest, Joe Bala. Uh, Joe is the owner of Joe Bala Fitness in Northern California. He was an engineer 15 years before becoming a coach. Uh, he's currently a level two SGX coach, a ninja warrior, mental health warrior, and actually has his master's degree in exercise science and, and kinesiology. So Coach Joe, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So your name was just a name that I feel like is everywhere. And I kept seeing it over and over in uh, in the Spartan community and DECA and uh, everything. So I, I'm just really excited to have you on and, and want to get on, get you on here and, and really talk about a few different things in the, the OCR world. So I'm pretty excited about this. I'm, uh, I'm excited as well. Thank you. Yeah. So let's just talk first. Uh, let our listeners know just a little bit about your background and kind of specifically how you kind of got into uh, the OCR world. And I'm, I'm curious uh, to know what made you want to make that jump from being an engineer to, uh, to a coach. Uh, uh, that's a pretty cool decision. Yeah. 
was, it was a life-changing decision. Yeah, if I, if I uh, like take a step back, I've always been into movement. Um, as a youth, I would climb things, you know, jump, jump down from those things and just always um, found joy through movement. And so um, I kind of, you know, tried to get in traditional sports like basketball, football, uh, I did a bit, a bit of martial arts, but then my my background uh, where I really fell in love with movement was actually breakdancing because breakdancing was a, a form of free, free flowing movement. And I could express myself through that. And uh, uh, I, I, you know, grew up at some point uh, when I when I left the, the breakdancing world and uh, realized I have to actually make money to survive. So, <laughs> um, so I, you know, I chose the path that I thought was was right for me at the time, which was um, tech, you know, cause we're, you know, I live in Silicon Valley and, uh, I always like to take things apart, put them back together. And, and that's kind of the tinkering part of my brain started to work. And then I, I got into learning what it takes to become an engineer, you know, go to school and, and take all the math science, um, everything that that's needed. And, you know, I went down that path 15 years, like you said, and, um, the switch, um, actually happened so 15 years but halfway through I started questioning you know that path that journey I was on like I didn't feel fully you know or fulfilled you know at the end of the day was it was I making a, an impact where I thought where I knew I could um, I always had I've always been of service mindset and um, helping others and I always loved fitness and so I kind of I kind of put two and two together and I and um, actually my sister my younger sister uh she she was planted the seed like hey kuya kuya means big brother in tagalog in Phil in the, the the main dialect in the philippines and so she said kuya you need to be a trainer or coach and um i was already helping people on the side just kind of you know guiding them on on what i what i learned up to that point and uh, yeah that that switch happened when you know 15 years hit and i found like i was really battling burnout and depression and it triggered depression anxiety and the only way I could really save myself from myself, uh, you know, was getting out of that space and just doing something that really brought me joy and fulfillment. And um, it was personal training and coaching. So, yeah. And I think um, kind of what you're talking about there, a lot of people I, I'm sure can relate where it was this environment, right? That was just beating you down. And I think sometimes people don't even consider that they can remove themselves from that environment. And now obviously everyone's situation is different, mm-hmm. but obviously that's not an easy decision. Something like that, where you're making money, you're making a living and you you're thinking about this thing that could be cool, right? you you have a passion about, but money, you know, you, you, there's a lot of unknowns, but it seems like, you know, your, your own well being was, was the decision that kind of puts you over the edge that you got to make a change here. Absolutely. Yeah, my my wife uh, included also could see I was kind of not fully present at times. Just my mind was constantly doing this, ruminating is what it, what it what I figured out what it was called at that point. And uh, yeah, to save me from me, like I said, she she kind of you know guided me and to help myself, you know, and and get some help and you know doing doing the things I needed to do to to get where I am today. So yeah, absolutely. So what what kind of drew you to like the uh, ninja warrior obstacle course uh type environment was it something you just always i mean i could see with breakdancing you know just moving um mm-hmm. that those skills i'm sure help 
in this situation. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what, what kind of drew you to this area of, of fitness and coaching? Um, just the pure, the pure joy. Like I, every time I climb on an obstacle and, and climb down or jump down, whatever it may be, I, I, I find that I'm feeding my inner child, you know, that inner child that I talked about before, where I found joy through movement. And it was actually my escape because, um, it, you know, it was, it's, it was a rough time when I was growing up as a kid, cause I actually got bullied for being small, skinny and, um, very timid, you know, and, um, that timidness was, um, something I, I, I didn't know at the time was just something where I like to be in my own space at times where I didn't want to be around others. And that, that, you know, was a form of introversion. And today I'm kind of not as introverted. I'm like kind of in the middle, um, between introverted and extroverted. And so being bullied and, um, kind of having to find an escape was through movement. And so as I'm catering and feeding back, you know, giving everything back to that inner child through what I do today with Spartan and Ninja. Um, the more I can do that, the more, um, you know, joy I feel, the more fulfillment I feel and the more purpose I feel. Cause that purpose is a big one for me. It keeps me motivated. And, um, and you might see like, you know, on Instagram or those video, the, the raw videos that I share there, those are real, like those, those, um, emotions that I'm showing and, just my eyes light up sometimes. And when I, when I'm in those spaces and it's just, you know, I'm feeding that inner child, like I said, so. Yeah. I, I mean, what, what better way to, to work on fitness and movement than with play, right? Mm -hmm. I, I know there's obviously rules and uh, things we follow when we're lifting heavy and things like that. But I think we can really learn a lot about ourselves by just getting out there and trying this different stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think like a lot of us, we just get hooked to see like, Hey, I did, I excel at this maybe, or, or no, I don't. And I, I really want to get better. So, yeah. um, so it just, just makes sense that that fit fits so well. Absolutely. So, uh, just, you know, researching you a little bit before I had you on here, um, you know, going through your website, one quote that I, I see on your page and, um, uh, I, I really like it. Just the onus is on you. Um, I'd love you just to talk a little bit more about like what that means specifically to you. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of do this thing where because of my, my challenges with my own, you know, mental health, um, depression, anxiety, it's a, it's kind of a stamp some place I can go to if I feel, um, down or low or just low energy, like, you know, something with depression, people don't realize is, you know, we get, um, very apathetic. We lose interest in things we find joy in. And so, if I find like I'm not enjoying what I know I enjoy, which is Ninja and Spartan, um, my depression is starting to like talk, you know? And so I have to like physically connect with something. And so I, I simply just go to my website and I have that, that saying there. And so that's one of the reasons why it's there. The other reason is it's really, you know, the onus is on, is on us individually to uh, address our, our own, um, limitations our own challenges you know you know if we we know we need to get better uh physically mentally socially emotionally spiritually even like it's really it's it's really intrinsic it's something that we have to you know address um on our own yes we can get some extrinsic help from our significant other um a professional or family friends whatever but at the end of the day you're the you're you're the only one that's going to be able to change your life and and uh, you know get into the place you need to be. So that's why I'm, I'm very big on that. 
uh, statement. Yeah, and 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 like you said, um, you know, you, it's it's okay to ask for help for for all these things that that we might be dealing with, whether it's uh, you know anxiety, depression, performance. Um, I don't think we need to do anything on our own. We can always have somebody help. But I think that the key is, right, I, we have to initiate the conversation or the action, like a coach will only do so much for you if you don't want to be there, yep. right, that shows and you're not going to put in any effort. So it's kind of like that balance of we start, we take that first step, and then people are just going to shape the path for us to follow. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. So what, what's your, your philosophy when it comes to to training, um, you know, and again, we can talk about just fitness in general, or or you know, if I'm getting ready for a Spartan race or or whatever it might be. But what would you say your unique approach is to to helping somebody kind of get through this if they do they 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 hire you as a coach? Yeah, um, the big one for me is uh, my approach, my methodology is like truly trying to understand the individual that, that's asking for help. You know, there's a reason why they're, they've reached out to me or there's a reason why they were referred to me and just really taking the time to listen and, and understand like where they're coming from, what their background is, what, what led them to that point. And that history, you know, is the foundation of where we're going to take them, you know, whether they're going to become a Spartan athlete or pursue something like Ninja Warrior or just get healthier, you know, think long-term longevity, uh, wellness. So, um, trying to understand the individual, their background, and then, um, going from there, you know, building up everything. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways of saying this, like build it up brick by brick or create a foundation. You build your house and then the house becomes a building and just as, as high as you want to, you know, go. And it's really, you know, up to us individually, like I said earlier to, to really pursue, how far we, you know, we um, can go, right? The coach, our coaches, um, we as coaches are there to guide, to direct, to, you know, encourage, to remind, you know, like, you know, or check in, you know, simple things like that. And, um, but in terms of like the fitness part, um, I'm very big on um, like understanding what your current limitations are, you know, and where I, I can see, I can potentially help you you know, might be something as simple as mobility, or um, there's a lot of people when, when we do these, you know, assessments, like, can you reach overhead, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of like, uh, limited range of motion. And, you know, okay, if that's, if that's the case, during the assessment, we'll, we'll build a plan or create a plan, design a plan for, for them um, to, to get them better. Um, and, and so the other things like, are, are you, or, you know, what's your purpose? What's your why behind why you want to train? Like if, if someone says to me, weight loss, then that's very broad, very, uh, very general. And, and I have to always ask why, what, what's the purpose? Are you wanting to lose that weight because of something else or because of some, some, someone, um, said something to you or, you know, like, um, I'm, I, I try to help them realize at the end of the day that, yeah, it's great to lose weight, but it's really all about, you know, longevity, total wellness. Um, I'm very holistic in the way I approach things. So it's more than just physical. It's really mental habits, uh, nutrition, like the whole, the whole nine, if you will. And, um, and getting into like the brain training stuff that I've done recently, um, uh, which I think we'll talk about today, I think is, um, a big one, like 
you know, being open to learning and growing and, and understanding what tools are out there and how I can help best uh, cater it to their needs. Absolutely. And, and I think a lot of people don't realize that sometimes when they hire a coach, it's not just the workout. Um, well, and maybe some coaches it is, but I think you can tell, you know, when you get, when you get a good coach that it's more than just this training piece, like, sure, that's a part of it. We're going to lift and, and work on mobility and, and strength and, and everything. But like, I think I couldn't agree more with motivation where so many times they want this goal and it one, did they even know why they want that goal? Did somebody else plan it in their mind that they think they want this goal or, or, or do they just not realize it? And it's like, cause you know what, things are going to get hard and you're going to want to stop and quit. And if the goal was just to lose a couple pounds, it's super easy to quit, right? Like there's right. nothing sticking, helping you stick to that. But when we understand, well, there's this bigger purpose behind just, it's not really the weight. That's just a a piece to this that's going to, you know, give you that fulfillment versus like, okay, you lost the 10 pounds, but you still feel exactly the same as when you started. So right. um, I think that's important for people to hear that, right? We need to consider all these things, you know, whether you're working with somebody or not, um, it's going to help you in the long run. Absolutely. Uh, so, and maybe this is it, but what, what do you think the biggest mistake people run into you know, whether it's doing it on their own or maybe they, they hired you and they're working with you, but where do you kind of see most people just continuing to make this one or two mistakes? Um, not fully uh, committing, you know, like you, you might say, I want to do this or I want to do that. Um, but then are you really committing doing the work outside of when we meet or outside of when I'm coaching, you know, you as a client, um, at the end of the day, because like, like you mentioned earlier, there's more to it than just the workout. There's everything on top of that, you know, and the workout's just one component and kind of in the way my brain works is I'm very analytical and very methodical in the way I, I approach things. I just like an engineering, uh, in engineering, I, I had to approach it a certain way, tackling a certain problem or, or project. And, you know, you as a client, I treat you like a project. I'm gonna, uh, or a problem sometimes, right? So breaking it down and understanding, you know, like those components, those pieces, and I'm basically re-engineering you to help you become your best self, you know, at the end of the day, because that's that's ultimately why you reached out to me in the first place. And, um, and uh, you know, using everything I learned as an engineer, um, very structured in the way I approach things and, trying to be more you know as as mindful as i can every day learning new things as i go and and honing my craft and finding more optimized ways of um coaching and changing people's habits um you know that that that's another one i think is the the habit component is we are creatures of habit so if our habits are not ideal um i need to help you understand that, what that is and then try to break it and and you know mold you into where you you need to be so yeah awesome so i you you mentioned the brain training uh i definitely want to talk about that so you did a, a webinar for sgx coaches on this topic I, I think it's super interesting and important that more people hear about it uh so I, i'm assuming it's your experience but what kind of drove you to this th this topic to want to just to share this this knowledge about tra uh, brain training for the ocr athlete yeah uh, so, so me, you know, uh, again, thinking engineering, you know, my engineering brain, how can I find tool? Cause there's are, there are so many tools out there 
now and especially in the fitness industry that um it's like sometimes actually too overwhelming so like i had to break down you know myself as an athlete and as a coach and figure out how could i better serve myself in terms of my athletic endeavors but also my clients right so um you know getting into brain training was was a big one for me i i was actually approached um by a colleague before that i used to work with who um who put me onto this topic of brain training like what joe what are you doing outside of your physical fitness your your mindset your um uh habits your nutrition like all you know all of those things is again i think very holistically and um very structured in the way i approach things and so the brain brain training topic came up um and like i like i mentioned like my my brain and we're all different um it you know i have these challenges with depression anxiety there's some certain triggers that happen so my curiosity um came out and i said okay how can i utilize this tool to help me improve my focus help me uh improve my uh my spatial awareness you know um in train in co- as coaches we know proprioception is something really really big that we we need to coach our clients on and students on and so how could i take you know that physical you know um uh way of approaching training and then put it in my head and so i got you know i got a hold of um some information on uh brain training and the one tool that i found um was called neurotrainer and um that that colleague that i mentioned um had some contacts in the in the company there so they're a local company in uh, san francisco and so i was able to get a hold of a um uh, now it's called meta quest i think but before it was just called quest uh, or facebook it was bought by facebook but it's basically a virtual headset and so in this virtual environment i uh there's tools in there that i found in the in the modules that that would help me improve my focus improve my awareness uh, improve my reaction time especially reaction time um things like uh this is what kind of stood out to me the most is as we're bombing down a giant hill you know in the spartan race and we're approaching that spear throw um how can i slow down you know um what's happening around me and not let that influence that that obstacle coming up and so um there's tools in there that have helped me develop um slowing down time it's kind of like you know if you think bullet time in matrix in the matrix movie right um <laughs> um so i'm very um much in, interested in that so like okay I, i i can see how that has helped me so you know it's 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 a been it's been a a game changer for me uh because sometimes my brain can get too noisy and i ruminate ruminate like i said and so there's a lot of um external stimuli that can influence you know how i react to things and so i had to s- somehow learn and implement this these tools to help me slow that down and so um that's that's what turned me on to sharing it with the ocr you know world especially um clients that i was coaching and so how i use it uh for them like i i can use it as a warm up you know for you know, priming their brain kind of like when you when you do a warm up for uh any kind of training session you're you're priming your body you know doing movement prep um activate activation of your shoulders or uh you know doing you know uh, thoracic rotations and so um it's kind of the same thing now it's in a virtual space i i prime my brain 
and and activate certain areas of it so that way I can utilize it when I need to when I need to um, when it's called upon so um, so yeah it's been an amazing journey uh, still continuing to use it today two to three times a week and it's simple it's like 15 minutes to 20 minutes at most uh, each session and uh, very focused time and um, outside of what I practice you know with respect to meditation breath work journaling you know everything like I said is holistic and this is just one of those components of, of what I do but also offer my clients and students yeah yeah I, I was going to ask is there um can you take things from you know um outside of the technology that maybe you can apply for somebody just listening that's just like well what if I don't if I don't have the the headset you know is there similar things I can at least do or maybe concepts that you've used in the past to kind of help accomplish the same goal of quieting the mind and slowing things down yeah um a big one is uh practicing being intentional with your breath uh, breath work is there's a big topic going on these days and um just being more mindful of um is your heart rate elevated and what can you do to slow slow down your heart rate because you know we have the um parasympathetic sympathetic um nervous system that we have to account for. So breath, breath is a big one that, that I utilize outside of uh, what I do with the brain training. Mm -hmm. And, and then I throw in things like um, a simple tool, like um, a lacrosse ball or a tennis ball, and I'll toss it at the, the, the wall and I'll try to catch it with the opposite hand. And then, you know, just um, challenging my reaction time, challenging my ability to, to move and, in awkward positions because in spartan in ninja we end up in a lot of awkward positions and being able to to react uh, quick enough and um be aware of our of where we are in space is is critical so um you don't necessarily need a tool like a, a brain training device uh, like I've, I've been using and offered clients but um simple simple um tools like you know like i mentioned lacrosse ball tennis ball um or even just, you know, a simple one, like I, like just today before we, we hopped on this call, I was doing lache training. So lache training is like, I, I jumped up on a pull-up bar and the other bar was like six to seven feet away. And so just practicing, making sure I generate enough power and just tap the bar and then keep, keep repeating, tap the bar, tap the bar to eventually work on generating enough power where I can grab the bar and land safely. And, um, so putting myself in those situations that I know uh, are going to transfer over to when I compete or coach others um, is key. Yeah, I and I, I think I, I love the the idea of just kind of mindfulness and um, um, just uh, being focused on the task that you're doing and, mm -hmm. you know, using your breath, like like focusing on the things that you can control um, especially I, cause I, as soon as you said like, oh, running down the hill and then the spear throws there and all of a sudden you're freaking out. And I think we've all kind of been there and I've talked about on the podcast before where I have my nemesis, um, there's certain obstacles like Z wall. It's not a hard one, but I've messed up on it like a number of times. So I know where it is on the course and I'm, I'm running and all I'm doing is thinking about that and how much yeah. it's impacting what I'm doing right now, because I'm not thinking about running right now. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm slowing down. So I think all of these types of, uh, you know, this type of brain training is really just trying to teach you to be present on mm -hmm. 
what, what you're doing, what you can control right now. And I can control running down this hill or up this hill or just my pace or, or the obstacle I, I'm on right now versus all of a sudden now I'm stressing about, well, what if, you know, what if I miss the spear? What if I fall off this obstacle? And it sounds silly, but I think unless you're intentionally devoting time to train that kind of thing, you're just going to keep running into those issues where you're just, you're stressing about all this stuff that may, may not even be an issue. Right. right. And, but it slows you down. So um, whether it's using a device or just taking a few minutes out of your training routine to just say, I'm going to do some kind of task and just really focus on this one thing. So it kind of sounds like that is, yeah. is uh, a lot of what you're getting out of doing these different types of things. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Create distractions and um, create ways to um, harness and improve your focus, slow, slow down those other thoughts and, fo- you know, focus on the task you can is, is ideal. And yeah. that's how I, how, how I approach things. So. Awesome. Well, I'm just curious with, with the, uh, the headset, what kind of things do you, uh, do you do in it? Is it like almost like a game and you're trying to, to, to solve yeah. a problem or uh, yeah. something like that? So a simple one is, uh, so you, you have, um, you're in the virtual environment. And so you, ha- you have these two paddles in your hands. And so they act like um, almost like uh, table tennis, you know, rackets, right? Or, or uh, tennis rackets, right? And so um, you sometimes have situations where there's a, in this particular uh, device there's a there's a robot on the side here and then there's you know uh, different colored um, objects in front of you like uh, a sphere for example and you have to watch the spheres and match up with um, which one is is uh, sa- the same as the first one so they they pop one up and then you have to match it to another one that that probably pops up on the screen elsewhere and so you have to be able to track what's happening in front of you but also there's this robot over here that's coming in front of you and, and then he'll launch, you know, something at you, a, a, like a ball or a device or a, um, even a, I forgot what it was actually called. I think it's like a, a fireball essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, you have to like dodge, you know, so you're tracking and trying to move out of the way and, and make sure your, your timing is on point. So it actually gives you a score. Um, your reaction time, your response time is what it tracks. And over time, you'll, you'll see improvements in, uh, in all of the above. And ultimately what you're, you're either doing is like I mentioned earlier, increasing your focus, um, or, or allowing yourself to, you know, get in the zone basically. So if you're, once you're in the zone, um, and I'm sure you can appreciate this, if you, you know, uh, if you play sports, anyone that's listening, has played basketball, for for example, there's a lot going on in a basketball game. And if you're the point guard, you got to be able to track who you're trying to get the ball to, also what's happening in front of you with respect to the defender. And um, what's the co- what is the coach saying? You know, because there's a lot going on, right? So mm-hmm. um, being able to quell and quiet that noise and, and focus on what you're trying to do, which is score. Uh, if you're on the offense, um, it's kind of the same thing with what happens in a Spartan race or a Ninja Warrior event. Yeah, like some, especially some of the, the courses we see that are very technical, like downhill, uphill, mm-hmm. you know, uh, single track trail, where you, you really have to pay attention to a lot of stuff. Like is somebody trying to pass you? Or are you trying to pass somebody? What's, mm-hmm. you know, is it all rocky? Is the ground moving a little bit? You kind of have to jump over things. And how many people, you know, they go down because they're yeah. just caught up and they're not paying attention where their foot is or they just 
maybe they're like, you know what, I'm going to walk because I just don't trust that I'm going to be able to go through this. So yeah, um, it just that mind body connection, you know, I think we just keep hearing it come up over and over again as any way you can work this into your training um, is, is only going to help you uh, perform on the, on the course there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the way I look at it is you find your flow on the course and, you know, you get in the zone, find your flow. And I, I've had cases where I was at that, for example, Spartan Tahoe beast coming down that first, you know, peak. Um, there's that one section where you just, I don't know if you've done Spartan Be uh, Tahoe before, Yeah, yeah. but yeah, there's, it's a very technical course when you're coming down and you're trying to get past certain athletes, but there's that single, single track, um, area and, um, making sure you plant your feet properly and know how to react if in case you, you know, you know, lose your footing or slip is, is key. And, and this is kind of how I've been approaching it is slowing down. I know I'm, I'm bombing down the hill, but I also know I need to be very, very mindful of how I'm stepping and, you know, being mindful of, of my fellow athletes around me. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I'm trying to, just trying to get that to the next obstacle as fast as I can. Right. So, um, so it's fun to see, see what's what i'm doing in training is translating to you know the actual uh courses that, that we're taking on out there so yeah absolutely it's just fun there's just so many ways you can attack training for these kind of races yeah. and i kind of think you need a little bit of every i mean i think that's what draws me to this sport so much is you need to be good at so many different things to mm -hmm. excel at it you can't just be a power athlete. You can't just be an endurance runner. You, you need all these different factors and there's so many ways. So if you're ever bored with training, um, you, there's no need to be because there's so many cool things that you probably aren't implementing yet. And I think this is another awesome example of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I would, I always love asking, uh, a couple of quick questions for you to finish up here. Uh, what's your favorite course that you've run, whether it's Spartan or any other OCR? Uh, let me see. Uh, let's see for Spartan. I think, uh, as of late, it was, uh, the, the, uh, Spartan Hawaii, uh, course. Yeah. Just the, the beauty of the course, the, just the majestic, um, feel of seeing, you know, those, those tall, um, that's, that's a volcano basically. Right. And so, yeah, yeah just, yeah. just being in that environment. And just the good vibes that I get, because I'm very much big uh, on into that space these days. Um, um, one of the gyms I work at, uh, CrossFit of Fremont, the you know their their mantra is um, good vibes. Just having you know um, all, all that approach to how we do things, and so uh, anything that creates positivity, um, you know, through that type of vibration that we get in in the space that we're in, is is really what I'm after. So yeah, that, that's probably the, the favorite one for me. Um, yeah. Hey, you don't have good vibes in Hawaii, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then the short, shorter courses too, like, uh, Spartan stadium. Like I, I race at, uh, the San Francisco one, um, giant stadium. That's, that's just pure fun. Just getting out there and, and, you know, really, really challenging yourself and, yeah. I just, I just love to play. That's the, that's what it comes to. Yeah. Awesome. What's uh, so what's the favorite obstacle then that you've done? Ooh, favorite obstacle. Um, anything I get to, uh, swing on. So like the multi-rig, uh, um, the one that I've really been trying to play around with is, um, shoot, what is it called? I think it's the, 
um, the beater. Is that what it's called? Where it spins? Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I try to take what I do in Ninja, which is the lache. And I've been trying to like fly to that, you know, pass the first bar, get the second one. And, and on that forward swing, I'll, I'll lache or transfer over. Yeah, so I yeah. can, yeah. So that's probably the one. Cause I, I connect the two like Ninja and Spartan. Um, there are obviously different types of, um, you know, events, different types of training involved, but like if I, anytime I can connect the two, I, I just have a blast with it. So yeah, anytime, anytime I get to hang multi-rig is probably the other one I love. So awesome. Awesome. Hey, about at least, do you have a least favorite one? Uh, yeah. Um, the least favorite, let's see, I think it's probably the box in the, the, you know, if you've seen it at the, uh, in the Spartan beast races, um, I think, uh, I figured it out mostly now, but, um, yeah, initially that was like the one that I was like, okay, here we go. (laughs) The first time I saw it, the first time I saw it was at a Spartan Tahoe. I think that was 20. 2019 so my hands were like completely frozen and i just yeah. probably that's why i associate uh, not liking yeah. it because i couldn't <laughs> feel my hands and yeah, uh, yeah yeah it's pretty you know it can be if you overthink it it can be too challenging so you just have to kind of like i said calm yourself calm your nerves and remember your training and you know break down the obstacle um which is which is what we we all need to do when we approach these obstacles so um, yeah, visualize yeah. yourself getting over and, and conquering it so yeah so uh, what's uh, if you don't mind sharing your strategy for it um are you using the ropes um what <laughs> what have you uh discovered yeah so i i actually do a mix of what you do on the rope climb and so i i choose which one i feel like depending on how i'm feeling as i get up to the box um which technique if it's a j-hook or an s-rap but I basically pin the, the rope against the box and I, I wedge, I, I create a wedge basically. And going, you know, so I'm thinking it in ter- thinking of it in terms of mechanical advantage. So wedge, wedge, create a wedge. And then I have a point where there's enough tension on the rope and I can just, you know, uh, go through with my J hook or S wrap. And then once I have enough uh, tension on the rope, I'll, I'll be able to reach over and grab the top bar. And, and yeah. then I just muscle my way up there. Um, ideally, uh, for most, we, we should actually utilize as many um, points of contact as possible. So get your leg over once you, once you touch the bar, get your leg mm-hmm. over, and then you got two points of contact where you can pull yourself up. And um, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I tackled it. And it, it seems to work. Um, yeah. I have seen yeah. people on course where they're cheating and they're tying two ropes together, or, <laughs> uh, which I get as a coach, I, I, I kind of go. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one. I mean, so I, I have a hard time with that one because I'm tall and I just jump up and I don't, I just treat it as a wall basically. And I oh. jump up and grab the bar, okay. which is great for me. But when I try and teach it to other people, I don't, I need to play on it more to, mm. to come up with a good, good strategy because what I do is not going to work for most people because they're not going to be able to reach that bar without using the ropes or something like that. So, yeah. um, so it, it's a tough one. I, I know that one gives a lot of people problems there. Yeah. I actually taught it at the, um, Spartan OS course. Um, when you asked me to sub for you, um, yeah. You know, yeah. So the, the guys that I taught it to, they, they, you know, after once I showed them once and they just, they got it. And then they're like, awesome. thank you coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
that's the best uh, if, if you guys haven't checked out an os course there it's really cool because that's what you do you just you try and you play around because uh it's like we'll show one technique and they're like i don't get that and it's like okay well let's play around with it and let's find what what will work for you and then you have this huge advantage now when you see it race day you just step yeah. up to it and you just do what you practice so um yeah so those are pretty cool awesome um so thank you so much joe for for taking the time today if anyone has any questions or wants to reach out and learn more about you uh where where's a good place to check you out uh yes i have a uh, being an engineer i i dug into a little bit of uh tech so i i got and i built my own website so it's actually if you just go to joebalafitness.com, so J-O-E, B as in boy, A-L-A, uh, fitness.com, um, you'll see all my links there on the top right, but I'm also on Instagram uh, under Ninja Near. So I took Ninja and combined it with Engineer. So Ninja Near, N-I-N-J-O-E-N-E-E-R. Um, I also have a business profile, Joe Bala Fitness, um, on Instagram. So uh, check out those pages um and then elsewhere on social media youtube facebook you should find me um yeah awesome awesome uh, and i'll put links in the show notes uh so everybody has an easier time uh checking it out so they can just head on there and, and see all the links there uh but coach again thank you so much uh for sharing your insight and uh this is great stuff that i think a lot of people will get get some good use out of awesome thank you so much for having me i appreciate it My pleasure Okay, that's going to do it for episode 95 of the OCR Underground Show. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this is a, uh, a helpful resource for your OCR training. I want to give a big thanks to my guest today, uh, SGX coach Joe Bala. Uh, make sure you head over to the show notes and uh, learn more about Joe, and, and you can follow him on there. Uh, also, definitely check out our new sponsor, The Amino Co. Uh, I love their new product, Heal. Uh, remember, you can get 30% off your order. Just go to aminoco.com OCR and use that code OCR, and uh, it's a pretty significant savings on your order, and you can check out all their products there. Uh, again, that's it for me, and I will see you soon. Until next time, keep training smarter.